Hey, 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 Shuffle! Woo! Woohoo! I thought we were singing about horse food. Oh, uh, I mean, we could be. But I think it's better to sing about the podcast that we're doing right now. Oh, true. Because that's what we're doing. Hello. Welcome to the Island Shuffle. Uh, I am, my name is Bean. My name is James. And together we are here to watch Lost in the wrongest order possible. Uh, we let the Lord above decide what episode we watch every week and each week we try to talk about it and make heads or tails of it and say good episode bad episode who's to say who knows who knows at the end of the day it's always a crazy ride this week good episode good episode i think this is uh season one episode four the fourth damn episode of the whole show yes we are in season one still we are two episodes out of the whole damn pilot and my friend this episode it's a lock episode it's a john Locke episode johnny Locke himself jonathan Lockington. Jonathan Lockington, born in Washington. And the episode is called, of course, Walkabout. Terry O'Quinn's autobiography. <laughs> Terry O'Quinn's autobiography. <laughs> Terry O'Quinn's autobiography is pretty sad. Huh? <laughs> it is pretty sad, and it has so many things that don't involve Terry O'Quinn in the slightest. Yes, there is. For how this is a Terry O'Quinn episode... There's not that much Terry O'Quinn in it. I mean, there's mm. a there's a substantial amount. He gets maybe like 25% of the screen time, though. Yeah. I will say the flashbacks in this, there's literally, I kept track, there's four whole flashbacks in the whole episode. Oh, really? Episode. Yeah, yeah, that's it. They really, like, go to town on those flashbacks, though. They're great. They are impactful. Um, This is, like, a pretty iconic episode in the history of the this show. Is, this has the scene that I remember most. This is, like, if you've seen one episode or remember one moment from the show, it's probably the reveal at the end of this episode. Yeah. I don't know if it's a spoiler to talk about it now. We've definitely talked about it, like, before. Don't tell me what I can't do. That classic bit. Don't tell me what I'm capable of. So Locke is a fella. You can't tell him what to do. You can't tell him what to do. If you try, you know what he's going to say to you? Don't tell me what I can't do. And you know what? He's not wrong. Uh, so how do you want, do you want to start with the flashbacks? Let's start I feel with like, the flashbacks. Because I feel like they're so like iconic. They're, yeah, and they're the only thing that is like neatly packed. Exactly. Everything else is kind of like really sprawled so and weird. So many things going mm -hmm. on at the same time. So, so Locke, Locke lives his life in the normal world, he's, and one thing that we know about him yes. is that he's always sitting down, but we don't know why. We're the, sitting there thinking to ourselves, what could this be? He must just, it just, he's sitting at an office desk, uh -huh. he's sitting at the table, he's sitting in his bed, he's sitting at a different desk. Uh-huh. Why could a person be sitting so many times? And, oh boy, you will find out later for what might be the biggest reveal mm -hmm. that has happened today it's a hell of a reveal <laughs> definitely the biggest reveal that's happened today yeah uh today, it wasn't a big day for reveals <laughs> today is the episode that sorry today is the day that the episode aired and it's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just aired and i cannot believe it you want, we gotta dive in because this episode is crazy <laughs> it was mighty good we gotta get our reactions down right now before the world does. Mm -hmm. and We have to get there first. Exactly. So Twitter, you heard it here first, buddy. Listen, you this heard the ending of Walkabout here first. Terry O'Quinn's autobiography. Thank you, and Terry. Man, oh, man. Terry O'Quinn, back before he was on an island. Yes. 
He was just working a shitty office job. He's working a shitty office job. First scene we see of him in his office job is we see a close-up of him on a phone. Yeah. And he's t- talking mysterious. He's like, hey, General, I'll meet you at 1,300 hours, and uh, I'll bring the supplies. I decided our usual rendezvous point. And we're thinking... This, is he an army man? Is he an army man? Is he on some top secret shit? And then smash cut to outside and suddenly we realize, oh, he's just in a cubicle. He's working in a cubicle. He's punching the numbers. He has that little machine, you mm-hmm. know, that's like a calculator yes. with like receipt paper coming out the y- top. Yes, the adding machine. The adding machine. You yes. know that the, the machine that people used 15 years ago. Yes, exactly 15 years ago on 2004? 2004. Uh-huh. Uh, people were adding machines were all the rage at least for Lockport, and he boy did he work that adding machine he used the hell out of it he had a computer an adding machine a telephone and a asshole boss randy boy very emblematic of i feel like a lot of the imagery in this is so rooted in like oh boy office jobs oh yeah which it's is like such so, an office space thing. which is so like something i learned entirely from tv and have never even kind of experienced. oh yeah i know at least like in the traditional sense of the just like cubicle yeah rows of cubicles the same fucking it's always gray mm. everywhere mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the boss is always an asshole like this boss who says who makes fun of him for talking on the phone I yeah guess. <laughs> It's like, why do you do this? Who's the colonel? You idiot. Get back to work. (laughs) (laughs) We will never say what it is that you actually do. I'm Randy. I'm probably 15 years younger than you. I have a stupid goatee. My dress shirt doesn't fit me very well. And I'm here to say, you suck, Locke. You suck, Locke. The next scene we see is them in the lunchroom. Yeah. Locke and his coworker. Uh, playing what looks to be Risk, but with big army men on yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> that is what they're doing. So that <laughs> It is Risk with big army men. And it is, like, I don't know what kind of Risk they're playing, but that's how I want to play Risk from oh, now on. Oh, it's cool. Uh, it's, There's so much big army men going on. And they're they're, like... And also, like, I assume this is, like, a huge campaign that they've been, like, chipping away at for, like, I don't, I don't know how long their lunch break could possibly mm-hmm. be that they could make such a dent into a, ga- a risk or a risk-like game. They're about four game. hours into the game. Yeah. <laughs> that's why the boss is pissed. <laughs> I can understand why the boss does not like Terry O'Quinn. <laughs> yes, it is fair. Thank God Terry O'Quinn started acting after this because he was not very good at his job was, at the old adding machine. He was, he was not good at the adding machine, and he was not good at risk with army boys. He was not good. Well, maybe he was. Yeah, I guess we never really see. Uh, they're playing, and uh, Randy comes back. Randy comes through, and he's like, "Hey, your game is shitty, and you're an idiot." Yeah, <laughs> that is essentially what he says. He's like, "Oh, Colonel and the General, oh, like look at losers." These. Oh, look at the loser patrol on patrol again. <laughs> like, thanks, boss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, thanks, boss. <laughs> Fucking thanks, Randy. Thanks, middle manager. Yeah, <laughs> like wow. it, that's exactly it. <laughs> Um, Thanks, guy who manages six people and is just mean to them. It's so crazy how mean he is to them. No one likes you. Uh, so uh, Locke says, well, listen, Randy, why don't you shut your mouth? Because guess what? I'm going on a walkabout. <laughs> <laughs> because 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 a long time ago when I was going through uh, re- rehab at the hospital, I decided a, a strange orderly told me about a walkabout. And I've just been thinking about it ever since. <laughs> this is the crazy thing. So yes. this is episode four of the entire series. Mm. Locke's walkabout story mm. is actually a great plot point. Mm. But 
the episode we watched an episode like 10 episodes ago mm. where they just destroy that plot point yeah. in like season six they ruined it and season four season four season four a mysterious orderly who we also saw berate hurley for no real reason uh comes along and says hey i'm more than just an orderly you should think about going on a walkabout and when you what? get and when you get rejected from that walkabout think about hopping on a uh, flight at 15 hey seems like a pretty good flight to me what do i know i'm just an orderly wink <laughs> It's insane. It, and it it just serves to ruin exactly. what is a really good plot point. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, let's just focus on the plot point now. Uh, not that I, like, there's a lot of bits in this episode where it's like new light or worse light, depending, yeah. is shed on them by what we already know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is a moment where it's like, oh, this is a cool thing that kind of sucks when you know that it was, you know, Jacob's magic touch yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, anyways. Uh, Randy gives him shit and is like, walkabout, you are a fucking, you can't do shit, you're an idiot. You can't do that, Locke. <laughs> you're always sitting down. <laughs> I've never seen you stand up before. And, uh, Locke retorts by saying, hey, guess what? This guy from, uh, this guy climbed Mount Everest, uh, with both his legs amputated? Yeah, it was a double amputee. He was no a double legs. amputee and he climbed Mount Everest. And why? Because it's his destiny, baby. It's his baby. destiny, goddammit. And Randy says... Don't tell me what I can't do. And Randy gives him a wedgie and that's the scene. Yeah, an atomic wedgie. <laughs> an atomic wedgie. And then there's a full minute of Locke with underwear over his head and just like flailing around and going, don't tell me what I can't do. But there is in that scene, there's a brief moment where... Locke tells Randy he's going on the walkabout, and then Locke's army buddy, army toys buddy, mm -hmm. is like, whoa, you're actually doing it, eh? Have you told Helen? Oh, uh, yes. And then Randy's like, Helen, you actually got a woman, Locke? You loser. <laughs> Who could who'd ever fuck you? Yeah. You're bald and an office worker. And ripped. <laughs> 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 true true Locke is ripped you're like you're movie star hot you're movie star hot but you're also a nerd yeah um so next scene we see uh up until now Locke is like pretty like normal seeming yeah like he's like pretty like mild-mannered just an office guy which mm -hmm. stands in contrast to like this badass hunter guy that he's presenting himself as on the island yeah um but he's he's like you know, he's a he's a little like shy or like mild mannered, but he's nothing like nothing like this scene where we cut to him. Yeah, he he, he we, seems like a guy that I like. Yeah, he seems like a guy like who's at your work and who's a nice guy. Yeah. Um, and then we get to a scene where he's sitting in his bed and he's talking to Helen, and he says, "You know what? It felt great to tell Randy off." Which, good for you, Locke, telling Randy off. We don't see him tell Randy off, but I imagine it went a little something like this. You you suck, Randy. Suck it. Suck suck my bald nuts. Suck my bald nuts. <laughs> They're bald like my head. <laughs> if, you're, if you're thinking about them, just think of two of my head. Yeah. That's what they look like. So think about that whenever you're thinking about sucking on them. That was in the deleted scenes. Yeah, they kind of, uh, they because it was 2004, they yeah. couldn't really get away with that. Um, it was the ba baldness was still not really accepted yet. Exactly. <laughs> you, you could talk about balls all you, you want. You talk about were, nuts, yeah. But if they were want. bald, then uh, forget about people it. People didn't like that. People did not like that. You know, people, <laughs> I'm willing to bet people didn't like that, what we just said. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. That's fair. We'll, we'll, we'll let the readers. We'll let, we'll let the readers decide. Reader, beware, you're in for a scare. 
This and is an audio show. <laughs> Good luck, buddy. L- listener, beware. You're in for a treat. Uh, so he's talking with Helen and he's saying, I told my boss to fuck off and it felt good and I'm really doing it. I'm really going on this walkabout. It's this, uh, Australian kind of spiritual journey where you brave the elements and you kind of find your inner self and all that. And I'm doing it. And Helen's like, wow, that's great. Yeah, of course. Congratulations. And then, uh, Locke says, and guess what else? I got not one, but two tickets to Australia. And then Helen set, drops drops the bombshell, saying, "Hey, uh, that's very sweet, but you know where I'm not supposed to see customers." Oh! And it quickly turns into an incredibly sad scene where Locke is like, "I'm just a customer to you," and Helen goes, "I gotta hang up because we're out of time. Maybe you should get a therapist." And Locke says, "I have a <laughs> therapist." <laughs> it like gets like it goes from like. Like I can't believe how immediately the scene ramps up the Locke sadness. Oh, he's such a loser. So Locke has formed a relationship. Well, Locke bought a vacation for the phone sex lady. That's the that's the headline. <laughs> that's what happened. Locke yeah. bought a round trip to Australia mm. for the phone sex lady. Mm. Without telling her, because mm. I guess in his mind the phone sex lady is his girlfriend. Yes. But the the crazy thing about that, or the fascinating thing about that, is on the island, Locke is such a like intelligent person with yes. really like a good head on his shoulders. Yes. But uh, you know, two weeks before, he l- doesn't <laughs> know that the phone sex lady is just a phone sex lady. He's he thinks so, that she's his girlfriend. He's so like he's working this w- menial job. He's making up new variations of risk with yeah. his friend. <laughs> yeah, with army men. With army men. And he goes home and buys conversation <laughs> and pretends that the person is wants to go on vacation with him. Yeah. Uh, and then the final scene, the, the coup de grace, the scene everyone knows and loves. Uh, Locke is in Australia talking to the walkabout guide, I yeah. guess. And the walkabout guide is saying, look, uh, we know you paid all the way to come here, but you neglected to tell us about your condition. And guess what? We got to we gotta go. We And and Locke says... Well, it zooms out. Yes, it zooms the out. the big reveal. The big reveal. Locke doesn't just like to sit down a lot. He is in a wheeled chair. A wheeled chair. Uh, you and I, of course, know this. Uh, I imagine many people know this because of how <laughs> this sort of... this is kind of like a very famous one of the most famous reveals of yeah. Lost, uh, and it's like episode four. It's literally one of the first things you learn about Locke. Um, but yeah, he pulls away the wheelchair and starts screaming about how you know, don't you dare tell me what I can't do. Don't tell me what I can't do. This is my destiny. It's my destiny. God damn it! Don't Cla- tell me what I can't do. Classic scene where Locke is screaming and mad. And uh, so the reason that reveal works in that context is because we've seen Locke walking around. The episode opens with like a cut to the moment of the crash where Locke kind of like looks at his feet, gets up, goes to help someone. uh, And then we see that same scene again immediately after we learn that he's in a wheelchair. 
and then we it kind of hits us all at once that like oh here's why Locke is suddenly the most competent man on earth yeah exactly because the island healed his broken leg yeah because he is literally rediscovering life itself yes he has a whole new sense of purpose so it's very cool mm-hmm. it's very well executed i have expressed this in the past and uh i'm going to express it lightly here because it's definitely handled way worse in other episodes yeah uh but the idea of a, a person who is like disabled and defined by their disability yeah. and having that healed making them like whole again oh yeah absolutely i've never really gone through any kind of big major physical disability anyway uh so i can't speak to it to a huge degree Uh so i'm not gonna act like the authority of it on it but it does strike me as a little bit whack and doesn't really like yeah just a little bit whack it's the whole idea of treating him with Mm -hmm. a disability as being something Mm -hmm. that's broken that needs to be fixed Mm -hmm. exactly like the whole like and then he gets fixed and everything is really great all of a sudden yes exactly and that suddenly like lends a whole new like the fact that it lends a whole new perspective on Locke is cool and interesting the fact that it's like oh now he's fixed or whatever is now he can literally be in the show especially because we can't have a character in a wheelchair in the show (laughs) i mean that is a great point that is a (laughs) that is a actually true and good point they couldn't do that they couldn't do that um like they would never do that especially with how walkabout is structured to keep on like piling on the sadness yeah and then to treat the oh and he's in a wheelchair as like the cherry yeah on the like sadness sunday yeah that's like a little bit whack yeah 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 yeah. um it's uh but at the same time it's also one of the most iconic moments of the show yeah yeah yeah. so like that it's (laughs) worth it's worth being critical of but it's also like in the moment, you're like, holy shit, I shouldn't tell him what he can't do. It's a cool reveal. It's a cool reveal, for sure, because it has a lot of grander implications about the nature of the island, the nature of uh, Locke's relationship to the island. Mm-hmm. Um, Locke's relationship to Helen. Yes. Um, Helen's relationship to the money that Locke pays. Mm-hmm. Um, and Locke's relationship to small army-style figures. And Australia's relationship to flight 815 to flight 815 mm-hmm. and flight 815's relationship to helen yes. because she just lost her best client that's true and she had a ticket on what on that very oh yeah flight. she could have been on that flight so helen y- could have been on that flight so you know what Locke saved a life Locke saved a life and also he ensured that many beautiful men mm-hmm. and women and people of all mm-hmm. types can enjoy phone sex from a yes. certified professional named Helen for as long as Helen continues to do that. Yes. Thank I think that's the real victory here is that yes. Helen's phone sex career was not cut short yes. by a plane crash. I I mean, that's the real story. Helen, I, I want a lost spinoff that's just all about Helen, the phone sex worker, who mm-hmm. finds out who finds out about Flight Eight Fifteen, aka Locke's wife. <laughs> yes, true. Uh, do you want to get into the island stuff? Because yeah, because there's, there's not a lot, but at the same time, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot of very brief things happening. Yes. Um, so this is literally episode four, and the show is still kind of like introducing us to all these characters. Yeah, which means that literally every single character. Gets a piece of something to gets do. Gets a small piece, yeah. Gets a little piece. So the first uh, scene is there's something rustling in the fuselage. Oh, yeah. 
and Vincent's, Vincent's barking, at, barking it. at it. Vincent and, gets a piece. Vincent gets a piece, and everyone's waking up, looking at it, and they go to sneak in. And what's in the fuselage? Uh, we should clarify that the fuselage is like the crash is literally four days ago, so yeah. the fuselage still has a bunch of dead bodies in yeah. it. Uh, it is a pit. So like, so like the way they're framing it makes it seem like it's gonna be zombies. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna oh be yeah, yeah, back. absolutely. Um, but especially mm, with like mm. some sort of supernatural having already taken place on the island. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but what it turns out to be is just a herd of boars. Yeah. And they kind of run through the island, and it's so dramatic. It literally is like someone's like run, and then it's like shaky camera. Everyone's fleeing. Ah, you see a bunch it's of boars. Cloverfield flying. for a minute. Yep, Did exactly. JJ do Cloverfield? JJ, I think so. Yeah, this was where he perfected Cloverfield. Uh, early season one has a lot of very shaky camera, which yeah. is, uh, as I understand, a classic JJ. Classic, I mean, get a freaking steady cam, you idiot. No, how will they know that it's chaotic if I don't wiggle the camera everywhere? <laughs> literally, the scene where um like. Like it's pretty, like it's shaky, but it's not super distracting in that scene. In the like scene from the pi- when they flash back to the pilot scene where Locke is just like getting up for the first time, uh-huh. literally there's like a like one shot of Locke and the camera is just like wobbling back and forth and spending like whole seconds just like looking at the ground. And he's just getting up. He's just getting up. I understand that there's a plane crash happening. There are ways to convey the chaos without just like yeah. wiggling the camera everywhere. Yeah, without like there's, throwing it. There's a there's a deg- there's a degree of wiggle that yeah. is acceptable. As there's some wiggle room here. There is some wiggle room here, uh, and I think they gave that camera work too much wiggle room. Um, it's also like really funny because this is like I know season one is always held up as like this is the season of loss, and yeah. it got bad from there. But in my mind, bad lost is lost, and this sh- and season one lost is like another thing entirely. Yeah, um, yeah, that's all pretty much entirely true. Because you have like a boar, like a herd of boar being framed as the single most dramatic thing that well, has that's happened. Well, that's it. Ever. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whenever that happened, I was it, sort of shocked by yeah. how much drama they could take out of mm. like some boar. Yeah, and then. You know, three seasons later, they're literally at war with the others, <laughs> yeah, and they're just it, like, "Ah, get the guns!" I guess we're a, blowing up a bunch of people. Literally, a private militia invades the army. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like, "Ah, this is chill. This is this is just an everyday thing. Yeah. This isn't that scary. Remember that time there were boar? <laughs> if we could deal with boar, we can deal with anything." Yeah. Uh, okay, so it comes to light uh, in the morning uh-huh. that. They ha- are running out of food. Uh-huh. Another early season one thing where survival is a thing that we actually has to matter. You got to have food. And they realize they're out of food. And they're like, what the heck are we going to do? I don't know. What the heck do we do? And everyone's kind of arguing. And uh, Locke, for the first time in any significant capacity, uh-huh. steps up and says, we're going to hunt those boars. Bah. And he gives like the fucking Jaws speech of like, of, like here's everything I know about boars. I'm a guy, I'm a kind of a crazy looking guy, but you can I, trust because yeah. I have a knife and you can trust me because of boars. This has got tusks and they this and that and the other. I'm a boar expert. I'm a boar expert, and everyone's like, oh, we should talk about how Locke introduced how Locke inserts himself into the conversation. Mm. Everyone, everyone's arguing. Jack's like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what we do. Hurley's like, I don't know what we do, and so he sits down on a chair and says, well, what the heck do we do and fleeing a knife is thrown next to Sawyer <laughs> like two inches from his head maybe a foot from his head a dagger like just hits 
like sticks into this mm-hmm. wall that why was there a wall there i don't know they're outside <laughs> it, this is very weird it is very then the weird. camera pans and it's just locked it's and just it's like dude use your words and then he does and he says we hunt we're gonna hunt boars here's my chest full of knives uh, Lock, <laughs> you're unhinged and, ev- and everyone's like your girlfriend is the phone sex lady <laughs> and everyone ev- everyone asks who is this guy this guy's pretty crazy i want to see the scene i don't really want to see it but Imagine they shoot that, they write that seed so that Lock, so that Sawyer just gets knifed in the yes, chest there. And, but then we wouldn't have a show because we wouldn't have a protagonist. We would have no protagonist, so I see why they didn't do it. The protagonist would be a protagoner. It would truly be shocking. Yes. But also the protagonist would be a protagoner. He would be a protagoner. And I want a protagy to care about. <laughs> That's in any media. Everybody needs a proto guy to care about, <laughs> right. or a proto girl to care about, proto person to care about. Proto person, mm-hmm. prototype. What's your f- prototype? Uh, my thing's sound effects. Here's a T Rex. <laughs> I remember proto baggins from the Lord of the Ring, Lord uh, of the Rink. <laughs> the roller derby movie. Yes. Good movie. <laughs> really good. Terry O'Quinn was also in that one. He was? He played the, the rollerblades. <laughs> wow, what a role. <laughs> what an insane role. Honestly, you know who it starred? Who? Hurley. No way. It starred the character Hurley <laughs> yeah. and the actor Terry O'Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> and you know who Hurley's nemesis was? Who's that? Helen. <laughs> <laughs> no! It all comes back. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. The extended lost metaverse yeah. runs deep, doesn't it? It runs deep. <laughs> it runs deep. Sort of like Charlie's subplot here. Yes. Um. So, Charlie has a subplot where he do a heroin. Uh, literally, all we know about him is he do a heroin. He do a heroin and he look... So sketchy. He looks so sketchy. He has a hoodie that he puts up when he's doing heroin. Yeah, that's it's how his you know, heroin hoodie. That's how you know he's Double high. H. Helly Hansen heroin hoodie. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, I guess what we should talk about first is, is the, the whole, Well, I guess we gonna want to establish that the whole kind of arc of the episode is everyone's trying to find food. Mm-hmm. Everyone's trying to figure out food. Locke says, let's food. hunt boar. So yeah. he assembles a crew to do that. Um, and then there's some other talk where... Uh, Boone and Shannon, remember Boone and Shannon, they're here. Our favorites. And uh, Shannon's sitting down, and Boone is saying, you can't do anything. I'm getting firewood, and you're not helping. And Shannon's like, oh, yeah, I can, I can, uh, I can fish. I can fish, you know. And then she goes to find Charlie, who's doing heroin. And Charlie's like, oh, I was not just doing heroin at all. What's up? Uh, She's like, I don't care. I don't care. Um, And they go to have a chat, and um, they... Charlie's like a complete like goober about it. Yeah. Um. In a very in a in a here like I've been I've been vocal about like Charlie's a funny guy. Things don't really work for me. It worked for me here. <laughs> here it is here. Char- it was fun enough. It was because he was enough. just a character being a character. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Uh, it was like, oh, pretty girl wants me to get her a fish. Oh. Ah, that's uh, what I do I this guess, episode. I guess, I guess that's what I gotta do this episode. Uh, there's like there's a moment where. Shannon's like, "Hey, can I ask you something?" And Charlie's like, "I know what you're gonna ask. You're, uh, yes, I am in a famous band." And before he can even get the words out, Shannon's like, "Oh, can you fish? Cause uh, I need a fish." 
and I wrote down one of the sentences Charlie says in response to this. He kind of does that classic Charlie thing where he's like, oh, yeah, I'm, of course, I, I know how to fish. Oh, of course yes. I can fish. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, I can fish all the time. He says a really wild sentence here, which is, uh, you know, England's an island, so I just throw it in and fish. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie. Charlie. Charlie, you goddamn character. I you like... goddamn sap. You don't know how to fish. You've never seen a fish in your life. The gra- the, maybe the greater strength than the like classic iconic reveal. Yeah. Making me enjoy Charlie. <laughs> yeah. Really. Make it, yeah. I like Charlie in this episode. Because mm-hmm. I guess I like heroin Charlie. I feel a bit bad saying that. I don't want to say that Charlie should be doing heroin. But because it g- it's bad for him. But it, in terms of making me enjoy his character, mm-hmm. yeah, keep keep I doing mean, it. I mean, it gave him some conflict, like, and also that like that is exactly it, actually. And it's like I think like they just drop it. We saw the scene where he like throws the heroin in the water, and then like that's it. That's he's just, it. He's, he's just not good. a heroin addict anymore. He's just good. That's not a part of his character anymore. Yeah. Um. So while it is, it makes for interesting television. You know? Yeah, it absolutely does. So, like you said, there's a, and there's also a good scene where Charlie and Hurley are in the ocean. Yeah, they're like waist deep, and they have a shitty little like a homemade like slab of metal on a stick. Yeah, uh, and they're both trying to do it, and they're getting wet, and they're laughing, and they're going, "No, you got to do it this way." Oh, and they're just—it's just you know, guys we being both dudes. Can't catch a fish. Neither of us can and catch then, a fish. To tie it all up, Charlie catches a fish, brings it to Shannon, and Boone is like. Damn, you just got played, dude. And Shannon Shannon t- takes the fish and leaves. <laughs> and Charlie just looks like a sap. Charlie just looks like a sap. Uh, it's a good subplot. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun enough. It's fun enough. Um, so the main plot, Locke wants to assemble a crew to go hunt some boar. Yes. Uh, he assembles Kate and Michael uh-huh. to do this. Michael does this because he wants to prove to his son his estranged son, Walt, that he's actually a cool guy, I uh, guess, kind of. Walt. Uh, remember them? Uh, and Kate does it because Saeed asks him to put a transmitter up somewhere. Uh-huh. Also, Saeed's in this episode. He's trying to chip away at a transmitter. He's trying to... He wrangled up some sort of electronic, and he said, here, Kate, here's a transmitter. You take this and tie it to a tree somewhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Kate's like, all right, buddy, I'm going to go get the boar, but what I really want to do is put your transmitter in a tree. Yeah, exactly. Why didn't Saeed put the transmitter in the tree? He's bu- he's busy making more transmitters, I guess. I guess so. I guess... Uh, Transmitters got to transmit. You know what I mean? I do know exactly what you mean. Uh, so they go into the wild and they tr- and they start to track a boar. Uh-huh. And track a boar would be a cool hip hop name. That would be. There is a uh, yeah, track a boar. Track a boar. I like the rhythm of that. I like yeah. the way it feels saying it. Track a boar. So uh, anyone can use that one. I'm not going to start. That's a freebie for any any aspiring uh, uh, MCs out there. You don't even have to credit us. We'll see you on the charts and we'll know we did that. Um, If a MC named Trackabore does in fact blow up and they don't give me at least $1, I'm going to lose it. PayPal? What's your PayPal? Oh, my PayPal is uh, uh, limbiscuitrules at paypal.biz. Really? Mine's trackabore at gmail.com. <laughs> that makes a little more sense. <laughs> <laughs> you got to watch out for trackabore, everybody. He's on the rise. <laughs> he's on the rise. He's, go- he's going up. He's trending. Um, so here's what happens. Yeah. They find the boar. Yeah. And the boar bodies Michael. 
Yeah, it really nails Michael. It really fucks him up. Michael is very bad at everything. I guess because he's an artist. He's an artist. He's and he's also trying to figure out how to be a dad. Yeah. And he thinks the answer is to go hunt a boar. Yeah, go hunt a boar, Dad. Uh, I remember the day I said that to my dad. And your dad said, "Well, I got to now." I guess so, son. Guess so. Every son must demand a boar from their dad, as is tradition in Prince Edward Island. Uh, and he got the boar, and now. He can remain my dad for another hundred years. <laughs> but um, watch out in a hundred years where he got to get another boar. Got to renew the contract. God damn it. <laughs> uh, so here's what happens. Michael, his leg is all busted up. Kate is sitting there tending to it. And yes. they're like, and they're like, okay, Michael's hurt. We got to go back. And like, and Locke says, you know what? I'm going to take care of the boar on my own. Actually, you guys are fine. And and Kate's like, no, actually, Michael is really fucked up. We have to, like, you cannot go we out alone. It, yeah. You can't go out alone. And Locke says, don't tell me what I can't do. And there he and goes. We, and then Locke he, is a four-year-old. Locke is literally a baby. <laughs> don't tell me what I can't do. Come on, guy. I'm not telling you what you can't do. I'm saying, I'm saying a man is hurt. I'm saying help Michael. Yeah, exactly. The boar, are, the boar aren't going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, while we get another scene where Kate is putting up the transmitter and then we hear the crazy honking and roaring and screaming and it's not a boar. It's, we know it as the smoke monster. Yes. Uh, and we get a tree rustling POV shot of Locke alone from the monster's perspective. Uh And it kind of like cranes down over him and Locke looks fucking crazy he just looks he just looks at it and he's just like can't really believe what he's seeing yeah it's a classic look of the episode and they keep referencing this moment of lock the look of lock the look of lock the look of lock This is a different podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> I would argue it is, this, this is now just ASMR, I guess. Sorry, yeah. I was just a little bit inspired by Helen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're Helen now. Um, welcome to the Helen Shuffle. <laughs> welcome to Helen's show. <laughs> I'm Helen. And I'm Helen. And uh, we're here to help you unless you buy us a ticket to Australia. <laughs> In which case, In we got to say, yeah, yeah, that's a little I'm going to take the next phone call. Yeah, exactly. Because I am the phone sex lady. <laughs> that's, hey, that, that's, what, that's what I am. That's what we are. Um, so, Kate and Michael come back to camp, and they're like, uh, the boar's still out there. Locke went off on his own. The monster was there. We don't fucking know what happened to him. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Uh, how does that resolve? Well... It resolves with the end of another subplot that's happening. Um, so let's talk about that first for a bit. Which one? I'm talking about the how the bodies are all there. The bodies are all in the fuselage. So Jack is doing some cleaning up, some tidying. And Claire comes up and says, hey, some people were thinking we should maybe uh, burn the bodies so that they don't, you know. Keep attracting boar. Exactly. Because th- they set 
they wreak havoc upon our camp. I think that's Jack's idea. Jack says yeah. we should burn Jack the bodies. Jack is like, we should burn them. Some people are like, we should bury them. And Jack is like, no. That, that, that will never work. Except for how after this, they bury every single body. Oh, <laughs> yeah. After this, everyone's buried. But I guess it sort of does make sense because they would have to just dig such a huge mass grave. And Jack is like, we got to get this done soon. Exactly. The boards just keep coming back. They're exactly. eating these people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's burn them. It makes sense to me. So, uh, Claire comes up and says, hey, some people were thinking, you know, maybe you should have like a, a little uh, memorial service, a kind of a funeral while they're burning, maybe. We could like read off passport names. I know we didn't really all know each other, but like, you know, it's something, right? Mm-hmm. And Jack's kind of like, I don't know. That's not really my, you know, if that's what people want, sure. But I kind of got problems. I'm, I'm, I'm doing doctor stuff over here. No, thank you, pregnant lady. No, thank you. And then... Uh, later, Boom comes up and says, hey, see Rose over there? She hasn't come back since the plane crash. She's just been sitting out there all alone. Uh, you should go talk to her. And Jack's like, fucking stop asking me to do stuff. Yeah, why am I the only person that anyone asks to do anything? Uh, major theme of Jack's character is he is reluctant to be the leader, but thrust upon it uh, anyway. Yeah, uh, which is in- incredibly evident here. But yeah. in most of what we've seen, he loves being the leader he, yes. but the start of it yeah which i sort of had forgotten i yeah. didn't really realize that was the case just everyone keeps asking him to solve every single problem yes and he's just like please i'm trying to i'm just trying to live dude. i'm just jack I'm, buddy i'm just a guy i'm just a bozo like you and life is a nightmare i'm, I'm just, just a guy, guy and i know that it's not fair nobody wants, wants to be alone on an island, island. That's how that song goes. Yeah. They wrote it about Lost. About Lost. About Lock and Lost. And don't tell me what I can't reinterpret. Hey. I like it. <laughs> um, so, sure enough, Jack does eventually go to sit next to Rose. Yeah. And they have a chat. And Rose is like, uh, like Jack's just kind of like, hey, you're in shock. And we're all in the shock, but you got to take care of yourself. So, drink some water. Do something. And they just kind of sit there for like most of the episode oh, for so long, like every like so often, thirty minutes. It, it literally just like keeps cutting back to them, and they're just sitting and they keep on chatting. Yeah. And Rose is like, you know, Bernard's fingers, they swell up, and uh, I, that's why I took his. That's why I have his ring because I took it because it would have gotten stuck on his finger otherwise. So. And it's like, I guess this is what the show lost is. This is what the show lost. Talking is. about Bernard's fingers. <laughs> Even f- from episode four, Bernard's impact could be felt. I love as, Bernard. As the stealth protagonist. He's so crazy. With his the stealth protagonist. <laughs> Bernard, the stealth protagonist. I love that. Yeah, dude. He, like, not to spoil it, he makes it to the end of the show. Oh, of course he does. Yeah. I mean, we have seen the, him in the finale, but he makes it. He's... Bernard, the stealth protagonist. Yeah, exactly. Sorry is a true BSP. protagonist. Uh, Sorry is a true protagonist. Bernard's a stealth protagonist. And uh, that's it. Terry O'Quinn is the uh, antagonist. Yes, Terry O'Quinn. O'Quin. Terry O'Quinn is the antagonist of my heart. And the stealth antagonist? Oh, God. I don't even know. Can you guess? Frank. <laughs> no. One more. Ricky. Helen! Helen! Obviously it's uh, Helen. Helen is definitely the stealth antagonist. We did just figure that out, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that's a rich vein because I'm pretty sure Helen never shows up again. That's how stealth she is. <laughs> that is the truest stealth there could be. Uh, so while they're uh, having a chat about Bernard, Wait. yo, you know how say you have a baby and it's a boy. Of course, yes. 
the doctor will say, ah, look here, a healthy baby boy. Yes. Well, if you are pregnant and you don't know it and then you go into labor and then you have a baby boy, Mm -hmm. which has happened before, it's not common. Yes. The doctor will say, ah, look at what we have here, a stealthy baby boy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. It was a long walkabout, but (laughs) we made it. (laughs) We made it there. And it yeah, was we made it to the final destination. This actually is the movie Final Destination. It is. Because I just murdered that joke. I killed. You killed it. It's also the Smash Brothers level Final Destination in the sense that it's the only level that I want to be on. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're not on that level, get out of here. Get on my level. Get on my level. Uh, it's also the Smash Brothers destination Final Destination in the sense that it is uh, completely flat. <laughs> I don't know what this... Oh, the... the it's an arena. Yes. I exactly. see, I see, I see. Exactly. It's it is completely flat. Yes, exactly. My joke. Yes. Ah. That was a little mean, but... Ah. I, that was a little mean. Not but... my joke that I know and love. <laughs> Your joke that you've been nursing to hell for I years. I loved that joke, and I set it out upon the world, you... and its first response was negative. I was positive at first. My first I response guess. was positive. The first genuine response was negative. No, I... Ah, not my joke. No. I'll never tell it. Another joke again. Oh no, you heard it here first, folks. My J- joking days are over. <laughs> I, I killed James Brown's comedy career here yeah. and now. Uh, I am now <laughs> Killabore. <laughs> <laughs> Trackabore. <laughs> Killabore is Trackabore's antagonist. Uh, yeah, Killabore is hell. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's hot in here. It is hot. It's, in it's here. hot in here. We've had a mai tai. I we're, like it. We're feeling groovy. Yeah, killabore. So, <laughs> while Jack is chatting with Rose, what? Who? Whom does he see in the distance? Um, his dad. His daddy. Daddyo. He sees a daddyo, and he's like, "What? My dad is dead. That's crazy." So he goes to chase it, and he goes. And he's not there. And he keeps going. And who does he find? But Locke dragging... Terry O'Quinn. Terry O'Quinn dragging a damn-ass dead boar out. So Killabore comes out <laughs> with his backing band, Boar. Killabore <laughs> 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 Locke. He's like, we can eat now. We can eat. And everybody eats. Also, Locke is fine, I guess? Yeah, Locke is just fine. Locke is covered in blood. And then the next scene we see, there's no wounds. He's fine. So I guess it was the boar's blood. That sort of makes sense. I think so, yeah. Um, so the funeral happens to close out the episode. Yeah. And the, the fuselage is burning in a big, beautiful fire. Claire is reading out names and being like, uh, oh, Joanna don't know her, but I bet she was, she was, she was traveling just yeah. like the rest of us. Uh, Katie is, uh, yep. And it's another she name. She's dead too. Yep. Uh, Boone is there holding a torch. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He is the light. He's the light upon us all. And Hurley is there doing nothing in particular. Hurley's hanging around. Yeah. Um, Charlie's doing heroin. Charlie is doing heroin <laughs> Charlie like does a few feet away. And we know this because, well, I guess one, because he has a bag of heroin, but also <laughs> he's got his heroin hoodie on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, he's wondering where Jack is, and Jack is over. Very close. Very like close. Like 10 feet away sitting down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Michael says, hey, congrats on getting the boar to lock. And he says... Uh, we saw that thing was heading to you. Did you get a good look at it? And he clearly did. 
Yeah. But Locke just looks at him and says, nope, nope. didn't see nothing. Ah. And uh, we get that final flashback where we learn about how he can walk now. And the final shot is he looks at the wheelchair and we see the wheelchair get engulfed in flames. And Beautiful. That's the, and that's the episode. Beautiful episode. A how, good episode of Lost. Fantastic episode of Holy Lost. Holy hell. It's, an, it's like... Holy Helen. Really something. Yeah. It really... Like, because what you really remember... What, like, everyone remembers is the reveal, obviously. Yeah. But, like, the meat and potatoes of it, the just, like, ensemble of the cast kind of, like, b- bouncing off each other... Um, really really works well it's cool well yeah this is this is when we're just learning about them we're not tired of them charlie is interesting still yeah it's not the hundredth time that kate is like i want to go and jack's like you can't go exactly it just feels it like everything that happens feels like relatively organic yeah which is like outstanding especially considering how like like even later in the season it kind of forces but like when you have shows where it's like we have to divide the group up into three different parts now and yeah. this is how and it has to happen there's they, a they, good com- they have to go back because of course they have to go back yeah why do they have to go back well they well, have they to go have back to. well they, they have keep to doing this yeah like, things happen because like things happen because the plot says they have yeah. to happen but here it just feels like oh you know of course michael's going on he's his son was ragging on him earlier why wouldn't michael go along yeah we're this? learning things we're not like being forced into some mm-hmm. shitty mm-hmm maze mm-hmm. like the converse and you have like quiet moments like the whole conversation with where rose and jack are just kind of like chatting it out and being like well pretty fucked up that we were in a plane crash huh? yeah and rose is like i believe my husband is still alive and jack's like all right buddy <laughs> later gator later gator um it's a hell of an episode where like not much happens but a lot happens oh yeah but everything happens everything happens it's cool it's really um like, when I say Lost Season 1 is a different show, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, is if, that the, it's, if this <laughs> is what Lost was, then I would think it's a very good show. Exactly, yeah. And that's why it's such a beloved episode. Ah. Um, Terry O'Quinn's autobiography. Thanks, Terry. Thanks, Terry, for tell- sharing your story. It's Terry time, baby. It's Terry time, baby. Let me call up Helen. I, the, the most, probably the most iconic moment of the episode is after the wheelchair fully, like, <laughs> gets engulfed in flames. T- uh, Locke looks at the camera and says, it's Terry time, baby. And then... <laughs> It, it irises out on his uh, scar. And then we don't get another Terry O'Quinn episode for no. like 10 episodes. No, but we get plenty of Locke episodes. True. Uh, what do you say we wrangle ourselves up? Another episode. Probably won't be as good as this one. I'm going to go to random.org. Mm. 1 to 121. I'm going to click generate. Please do. Six. Wow. It will be as good as this oh one. Oh, boy. I hope so. Well, it'll be episode six, which will be... Uh, it won't be Walkabout because we just watched that. That's true. It won't be Terry O'Quinn's autobiography. It'll be House of the Rising Sun. Guess Sun. It's the Sun oh, episode. It's a pun about her. It's name. a pun about her name because her name is Sun, and it's Sun episode. Sun episode. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be Sun episode, huh? Well, I can't wait to see it, Sun. <laughs> Maybe we should watch it on Sunday. Mmm. Sunwhere over the rainbow, there is this episode. We need to end this <laughs> before I die. All right. All uh, right. Uh, I've been Bean. I've been James. Thank you so much for listening to this silly podcast that where we where we are goobers confirmed. <laughs> and uh, like we say at the end of every episode, 